Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to the Heroes Podcast Network. Jolan True, peace and long life. Welcome back to Red Shirts and Runabouts, the Star Trek podcast on the Heroes Podcast Network. I am your host, Derek, also known as the Star Trek Dude, and I have my two guest recurring hosts with me here on the show as we trek through Lower Decks Season 1. I see what you uh, did there. Ah, yeah. Uh, you probably know these two guest hosts if you listen to the show, especially if you listen to our discussions on Episodes 1 and 2, but we have Zach... Hey, how's it going? Good, good. Welcome back. And Thank then we you. we have uh, my my wife and partner in crime and podcast co-host on Screen Heroes, Ray. Hello. Hello, hello. And we are here to talk Trek. Uh, we are going to be discussing Star Trek Lower Decks, Episode 3, Temporal Edict, in spoiler-filled glory. But before we dive into details, we will talk a little Star Trek news that is non-spoiler-y people uh first short treks so star trek short treks is the short form series that cbs all access has been putting out um some of it live action some of it animated mostly in the discovery universe but not all of it um and the 2019 short treks which there are six of are now available to watch for free if you are in the united states the reason for this is that uh, the series itself was nominated for Best Short Form Series for the Emmys. And uh, yeah, so you can watch these for free right now. They're available and ready to go for you. Um, the six episodes include Q&A, The Trouble with Edward, Ask Not, Ephraim and Dot, The Girl Who Made the Stars, and Children of Mars, which is the prelude to Star Trek Picard Season 1. Am I correct in thinking that they're going to be released on a separate Blu-ray DVD kind of thing? They already were. Uh, they already were. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Cool. They were released back in June on Blu-ray. Cool. Okay. Uh, so I purchased it, but it's still in shrink wrap, so I can't say if it's you know if there's any other special features involved. I think there were, but I, I still haven't opened it and watched it yet. Full shame. It's on my wish list, uh, along with Discovery Season 2 and Picard Season 1. Ah, so. uh, yes. <laughs> and I'm a terrible wife. I keep buying him other things instead of the stuff that he actually wants. Yeah. Yeah. Story of my life. Yep. I haven't pre ordered Picard season one on Blu ray. I'm sure it'll be out on a steel book or something, but uh, I did pre order the Picard season one uh, uh, vinyl record that you shared with me, I think, last week. Yeah, it's very pretty. It is. It's nice. And it's a good score. It is a good score. It's just the mock up, though. So the. the final product could look a little different but it's true i i trust them i think the only star trek lp i have is wrath of khan mondo did a really nice anniversary re-release of the vinyl and i think that's the only one that i have but oh nice I, I i think i have i have most of the other films and some of yeah. the shows on cd but yeah but yeah the only vinyl i have is uh the motion picture so Oh wow! I, I don't think I knew that they did a vinyl of the motion picture. Yeah, it's it's a fun one. It, it's really old, so. If you see him look down at his phone, that's what he's searching for. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, so speaking of like other Star Trek stuff you can buy on round disc-like objects, they <laughs> um, <laughs> they just announced a, another iteration of the Prime Timeline Star Trek film collection, which is the first 10 films. So you mm-hmm. have the, the, the six with the original crew and the four with the next gen crew. Um, and these will actually, it's Blu-ray, of course, and it will include digital codes of the films, which is apparently a first for, for Star Trek physical movie releases of these films. Um, the box art is pretty much the same as the last yeah. release. It's the white one with the, the Enterprise with some kind of colorful at warp star stuff in front of it. Um, and it'll be a 12-disc set. It's pre available pre-order now for $53.99 USD if that's what you want. Um, if you don't want the digital option, though, the previous version of this, which as far as the movies is concerned, is the exact same copies, is called the Stardate Collection. And you can get that for under 40 bucks. So you can save that's yourself. Not bad. Yeah, save yourself 15 bucks if you don't care about the digital version. But uh, either way, this one comes out October 6th. So get your pre-orders in if you want that. Um, I have... I have a 10 film. I, I don't have a 10 film collection. I have the six film collection and the four film collection. They did a, they did them separately a while back. Yeah. Um, that's what bef- I've got way, way before the start eight collection. So I have whatever that one was called. Um, all right. Last piece of news. This one's kind of star Trek adjacent in a way, but will Wheaton has officially been set to narrate the audiobook for ready player two. He did the audiobook for Ready Player One, which is the um, Ernest Cline novel that got the movie adaptation a couple of years ago. I listened to the audiobook and I love Will Wheaton and I think he does a phenomenal job. So I was on the fence about this sequel personally, but since he's doing the audiobook, I think it's just a sure thing for me now. What about you guys? Yeah, I'll tune in. Uh, I enjoyed Ready Player One. I don't think it's a good book, but I enjoyed it because I feel like it was targeted towards me. Um, but so I, I, you know, if Will Wheaton's reprising his narrator role, uh, I'm on board. Ray, you and I listened to the audiobook together. How do you I feel did. about how do you feel about round two? I mean, I'll I'll listen to it with you because <laughs> I love you, but. <laughs> I didn't really enjoy the book. I think it's sloppily written. It was not, I, I'm not the demographic for it. It was not targeting me at all. So I, I'm i going to listen to it for my husband. <laughs> I just hope that, that Will doesn't have to read the scoreboard shit again. Yeah, IOI, yeah. 459652, and then like uh, say nine more of those. Uh, <laughs> God, that was awful. Yeah. Hard pass on that. But, but otherwise, never want to hear it again. I do honestly think that Will Wheaton makes the book better than it is. Absolutely. His, that is, his... that's, that's the way to listen to it or to read that book, really, is for him to read it to you. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's huge. If you're going to get, if you're going to invest in audiobooks, then doing so with a great narrator is very important. Yeah. yeah. I almost wonder if President Will Wheaton is going to play a bigger role in the second book, and that's why they got him back. I mean, maybe, or he just, you know, he did a good job and it sold well. Yeah. Yeah. So why? Money to be had. Why, why, uh, why change a, ba- a good thing, you know? Um, but. Yeah, I just he has the right personality for it. He's got the right passion for it. And, you know, it is like just a ton of references, right? It's 80s references. It's nerd pop culture references. And who better to like bring passion to those references than Will Wheaton? You know, because he is passionate about all of it. He Mm -hmm. absolutely should. And that's what makes his narration more enjoyable, to be completely honest. It's because he enjoyed narrating it. Yeah, it's yeah. it's genuine. It comes off as mm-hmm. genuine passion. It's not, you know, it doesn't feel absolutely. Fake. It's the it's the difference between taking a class between uh, a new teacher who's excited about the subject matter and a tenured professor who just has stopped caring years ago. Oh, absolutely. I remember I used to do so well in classes where the uh, teachers cared or were excited about stuff versus the ones that didn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
their enthusiasm directly uh, reflected my grade. Yeah, for sure. Without a doubt. All right. Well, that's it for our news segment, right? Sometimes we'll do it. Sometimes we won't. Just kind of depends what happens in the world. But we're going to go ahead and take a short break. And when we come back, we'll be discussing Star Trek Lower Decks Episode 3, Temporal Edict. So consider this your spoiler warning for the first three episodes of Star Trek Lower Decks. When we come back, spoilers are available. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. And we are back to talk Temporal Edict. Lower Decks Episode 3. All right, so let's kind of just kick things off here. The chatter that I'm seeing on social media is people really like this episode, especially compared to the first two. So let's just go with our first kind of just general impressions. And Ray, I want to start with you. Oh, no. What Why? Did you, because I just want to mix it up. I'm gonna, you know, we're going to bounce back and forth a bit. What, all right, all right. What, what, are, what is your first kind of general feelings on the episode? Um, okay. So I liked it more than the first two. I will agree with that. I, I still have some issues with the two more main characters, Boimer, Boimler and Mariner, but God, Ransom was hilarious. Like he was cracking me up throughout the whole thing. So I really liked, uh, the second office or first officer Ransom. And, uh, I, I think I, I think I'm the show's like catching on to me. I think I'm warming up to it. All right. Zach, your thoughts. Yeah. Uh, I liked it. I think I liked it a little bit better than the first two. I think that um, I like it because it's Star Trek and I, I can see not just the name dropping in the Star Trek references, but um, I can see I don't know, just it, it feels like Trek in a lot of ways uh, from the sound effects and you know, everything else. Uh, I'm with Ray. I really am I'm not feeling, I had, a, I had an important moment while watching this. I, I, I got really distracted because the cold open um, uh, features kind of a, a prime, like a, a, a conflict, if you will, an indirect conflict between uh, Mariner and Boimler. And, <clears throat> excuse me, I, I realized it didn't hit dawn on me before this episode, but uh, so I, I love Rick and Morty and I love Star Trek, um, but I also love them separately. And I felt like the whole gag with the cold open was very Rick and Morty. And it, it feels to me like we've got, uh, you know, Mariner is kind of a Rick type who doesn't really care, kind of a loose cannon. And mm -hmm. then you've got Boimler who is kind of a goody goody following the rules, like, you know, trying to do the right thing and kind of a, a dweeb about it. And it just, that cold open was funny and it was amusing. It just felt so derivative of Rick and Morty. And, and, and again, I love Rick and Morty. I love Star Trek, but I don't know. Like I was kind of bummed out by that. So I started off this episode on a sour note, but uh, I ended it feeling better about it overall. That's fair. I, I've never seen any Rick and Morty outside of the Super Bowl commercial where they're trapped oh. inside of like a Doritos commercial or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, that's, all, that, that's all I really know. Right. And that the main two characters are kind of like they're a play on Doc and Marty from Back to the Future. Yeah. Um, so when people compare it to Rick and Morty, I kind of just have to take their word at it. I really don't know. Um, so I, I think that for me, the episode has some really good parts in it. There are some really great elements in here. But the story, um, I don't know, it just it, it didn't really work for me much. And. Uh, I'm just going to kind of leave it at that before we dive into the details, but I think it was fine. I think my problem with it right now is maybe it's a little too silly um, in yeah. a lot of ways. Uh, I don't mind comedy in Star Trek. I, I don't. I, I really enjoy a lot of the jokes, but it's the 
in between silliness that maybe just goes a little too far. It's a little too exaggerated at times, mm -hmm. I think, in the way the characters do certain things. Um, but let's let's do this. Let's let's dive into let's dive into these these details. So, well, Derek, do you have any comments on the cold open? Um, I mean not strong ones i thought okay. it was i thought it was fine so the the because the whole premise of the episode of the, of the a plot um you know being the 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 buffer time mm -hmm. on the ship kind of rubbed me the wrong way because i thought it was too similar to what brooklyn 99 did so a few years ago brooklyn 99 when they were going through different captains uh, I forget the captain's name that comes in, but he's got the dozer, the dozer, dozer pads, right? Uh, yeah. It's, it, yeah. Um, and it's, um, it's funny on Brooklyn nine, nine. And it's not that it's not funny here. It's that it's basically handled the exact same way. It's just yeah. done in animation. And so it didn't feel new or original to me like at all. Uh, they have tablets. It's counting down the clock. They're running behind schedule. Every time they're be they're behind schedule, it turns red and it's flashing at them, right? Everyone's exhausted. And um, if anything, it just took that same concept and exaggerated it to a point that wasn't quite believable to me. Mm -hmm. You know, because uh, you have the entire ship. Everyone's tripping over themselves and each other. They're all miserable. Everyone's making mistakes. Things are falling apart. And... I don't know. I, I it, the the episode never sold it to me that like that was believable. I completely agree with that. In fact, that was my biggest complaint about the episode. And maybe it's just because of how my eyes have been open to the American workforce in the last, you know, 5 6 years. I, I it's very clear that Americans are overworked and underpaid, underappreciated. And that's exactly what it reminded me of, you know, just us working our lives away. So it, it bummed yeah. me out to be completely honest. And I thought it was a poor um, choice on the captain's part. You know, she's bragging about how she's a great captain but she made a huge mistake by cutting out her crew's only time to take a break just because she didn't like the term buffer time. And I agree, it's not that great of a term. They could have done better, but they also could have explained, hey, we need a break time. We need downtime. You can't keep us working 24 7 or right. i guess 26 hours a day <laughs> right and i feel like she was only butthurt about the buffer time simply because she had been passed up for something that she was preparing for and was starting mm -hmm. to feel like the entire ship was a joke and so there's right. a bit of a leadership ego trip there and and i agree with everything you're saying i think that's part of what bummed me out like i enjoyed the episode overall and yet it bummed me out because to me star trek is supposed to be better it's supposed to be a hopeful optimistic future not a future where peons like myself are going to continue working their asses off for little to no reward. Like, I, I don't need Star Trek. I want Star Trek to be just relatable enough, but I also want it to give me hope for the future. And, mm. you know, again, I love the show, but I don't think it, it didn't hit that note for me where I was like, I'm looking forward to the future and exploring space. And I think my problem is that we've never seen that in star trek before at least i haven't uh overworking yourself has never been a captain's request you know uh quite a few um crew members have decided to overwork themselves on their own for whatever reasons but you know we also see them take breaks and have a good time and we see the captains like really putting mental health above everything else because you know clearly work needs to be done tomorrow too so well, there's, i there's I, emergency situations oh well yeah you know i don't want to overlook course. that as a possibility but i don't know i i think the way boimler handles it also just kind of makes the whole thing worse yeah 
you know, like there's there's being a good officer and wanting to follow rules, you know, kind of that stereotypical A student mentality. That's one thing. But this mm -hmm. is like superhuman. Like he's he's not only better than literally every other person on the ship, but he's including so, the captain. Including the captain. But he's so far better than everybody else on the ship that he's like taking on extra tasks and gets bored because he's so far ahead. Like mm -hmm. And he's and he's just a human, so it just doesn't seem. I don't know. Like, there's no reason for that. It just doesn't seem re like realistic in any way. On the one hand, I totally agree with you. On the other hand, it was nice to see him finally in an element to succeed because mm -hmm. I I've been getting tired of him being the like weirdo who gets shit on constantly. It's just it's boring. So at least there's that for me. That's fair. I mean, that is how the episode opens though. Yeah. And yeah. here's my problem with that. I have grown to really hate uh, metal music over the years. <laughs> so I was enjoying his violin. <laughs> well, right. like, it's I get very, the like, joke. reminiscent of data. Right. Like, that's the joke, right? Like he's doing a TNG recital. But Mar uh -huh. that's not what Mariner's there for, right? So I, I get the joke, but then, you know, um, Shax has to come in and doesn't think anything through and just breaks the violin like somehow that was making the same noise, which is also just kind of – like that's the joke, right? And it's a little silly, but whatever. But again, right. it's Boimler being for, you know, to use the – Shit on. Yeah, exactly. You know, so the episode has both. Yeah, he kind of pseudo becomes a hero, but then he gets the, the, the way he becomes the hero is also bad because now there's a rule named after him for slacking off. Yeah, right. It's antithetical to his very values, which it drives him crazy. So he's getting notoriety, but not for the way he wants. Exactly. So even at the end of it, no matter how good he was, no matter how you know, sophisticated of a job he was doing or anything like that, he still ends up losing at the mm -hmm. end of the episode. And that's just kind of a bummer. That's incredibly unfair. <laughs> it, it's a bummer and it's it's a relatable bummer and so if i was watching any show other than star trek i'd be like yep been there but i'm watching star trek and i, and I want to feel better about my future not worse right yeah and i mean there's look there's some really great trek elements in the a story line um you know the the boarding parties are kind of cool and i like the way the ships attach and aesthetically the show still looks great right we get a good look at a bullion in this episode and he looks super good and um, you know, there's a lot of that and I appreciate that. I think that looks the aesthetically, the whole show looks great. Um, and this was a good opportunity to show, you know, we got to see more of a shuttle in action and an alien planet. So I, I liked all of that. Yeah. I do think, and, and I touched on this maybe in one of our previous episodes, uh, but it seems more true after this week, but, uh, you know, if Gene Roddenberry is probably rolling around in his grave at the, at the thought of the show for numerous reasons. And, and part of that, I think, came to a head for me when, I, when there was that whole scene where uh, Boimler and, um, God, now the first officer's name escapes me. Um, Ransom? Yeah, Ransom. When Boimler and Ransom are having that moment, and, and, and Boimler is defending her philosophy, which is very antithetical to the, the vision of the Federation and Trek. And so talking sorry, about how, you, mean, you mean Mariner, right? Yeah, I'm sorry, I meant Mariner, okay. yes, yeah. And Mariner is talking about how sometimes you have to do what's wrong to survive. And I think that's true. And I think we see some of that, for example, in Deep Space Nine, because we have a lot more of those moral plays. But when you have like a complex moral play and it's boiled down to like a 20 minute cartoon, it seems to be a little glazed over and oversimplified. And uh, you know what? I think it's good that Roddenberry retired when he did because his rules, uh, he, he created this, this beautiful world and this great vision uh, to aspire to. But some of his rules for early TNG were definitely suffocating, and the storytelling improved when he took a back seat. Mm -hmm. But that being said, I mean, how do you guys feel about this whole like do what's wrong to survive, and how that kind of played out in this story? Well, Mariner gets on my nerves week after week because it really does seem like she doesn't care about anybody but herself. You know, completely like the cold open, completely upstaging and disrespecting someone uh it, causing a noise so uh just disruptive that it angers klingons you know it just it seems like she exists to piss people off 
And I love a good rebel character. I really do. She's just not a good rebel character yet. She's a selfish character right now. So she seems again, she seems like Rick from Rick and Morty and Mm -hmm. people, people watch Rick and Morty and they idolize him. And and I I love that show, but people who idolize Rick and Morty annoy me because they missed the point of the show because you're not supposed to like him. If you do, you've, you failed a basic test of human decency somewhere. Exactly. So I honestly didn't, I started to finally like her when she was becoming attracted to Ransom. (laughs) And because that made sense to me, finally, I was like, oh my gosh, yeah, if I saw that, I'd be attracted too. like, finally, something about her character made sense. She had a connection to another person. And that's what I liked. So I don't know if that's going to go anywhere. And hopefully her character continues to improve like that. But I'm also not putting all my eggs in that basket. I'm just kind of waiting to see if I continue to dislike her. I think part of the problem with the way they've written her character is they've basically made her the outsider. But Mm -hmm. there's not a there's not really a well-defined at least yet reason for her to truly be an outsider you know like kira for example you know she was in the the bajoran militia she's a soldier she is is you know did terror terrorist acts to keep you know her people safe and 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 things like that during the occupation she's Mm -hmm. been through some really intense stuff and because of that she's very strong she's uh, strong-headed at times but she's very um strong within her convictions she knows who she is and she knows and the reasons that she believes the way that she does are founded in the way her life has been correct right and in you know enterprise our outsider is to paul and we know her background is because she's really vulcan and she doesn't want to be on a starfleet ship and all these like these characters are given their backgrounds mariner's background is simply that she doesn't like to follow orders, and oh yeah, her parents are also really high up in Starfleet. But like, and she's kind of lazy and selfish. The thing is though, like, don't you think by the year twenty three eighty, most people in Starfleet have other relatives like parents who were in Starfleet? Yeah, right? absolutely. Like, it just seems silly that that wouldn't be the case, and it was the case for a lot of 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 older Star Trek people. You know that we already knew had parents like Tom's dad was an admiral. For example, uh, Jordy's mom was a captain. You know, we have other examples of of parents being in Starfleet. That's not like a reason to be a troublemaker. So I need more. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and if she really just ignored rules and regulations so much, I mean, she's been demoted at least one time already. She's getting kicked off of different ships. At some point, doesn't she get like dismissed? I would think. Yeah yeah you know i mean you look at like look at what tom did tom ends up in prison because of a shuttle of a well not really a shuttle is like more like a a small fighter crash right for doing a a training maneuver that was against regulations and somebody died and that's really terrible right but it was also an accident you know and he ends up in prison in an actual prison camp and only ends up out of it because of voyager's mission and janeway pulling some strings so you know what did what did Mariner do to get demoted? I need to know. I want that backstory to give some credence to her attitude. Yeah, for sure. Um, so let's let's talk more about Ransom then, because this is the most we've really gotten from him mm-hmm. so far. How do you how did you feel about him before versus now after the episode? Did anything change? What do you think? Oh yeah, everything changed as soon as he stabbed her in the foot and took care of business to protect his entire crew, I instantly gained more respect for him. Before that, I had a very similar opinion of him that Mariner did. Yeah. Yeah. He became more three-dimensional, I think. I mean, to date, um, he's probably the most fleshed out now of the bridge crew. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think, again, it's it's – yeah, to what Zach said earlier, like it, we only get like 25 minutes in these episodes. So, so far we've had three episodes. It's not even the length of a normal pilot of a Star Trek show, you know, and that's all that we have to go off of. So it's a little hard 
to really go into detail reviewing these these episodes because we know so little about the characters and mm -hmm. you know because ransom does become like a totally different person after this episode you know yeah okay. maybe maybe he's still kind of co cocky and pompous but we do know that when push comes to shove he's going to try and protect his people and that that's honorable that's what a first officer should be doing and that explains why he got to be a first officer because he does have qualities that Starfleet would deem positive. Yes. Um, you know, Shax is a little bit different, right? He's our tactical guy. He's a Bajoran. He's hardened. He's a warrior. He's tough. He even has like battle wounds. So that's, you know, that's a little more obvious um, for Captain Freeman. You know, we don't really know much about her either. We know that she's the captain of a fairly mediocre ship and her husband's an admiral. And neither one of them can keep their daughter in line. That's all we really know about her. <laughs> and do we know if it's her husband or is it an ex-husband? That's right. Fair. That's fair. Yeah, we don't know. Yeah. The father of her child. <laughs> yes. But her we, we also know that this episode is not a great reflection on her. You know, she makes some huge mistakes because she gets wrapped up in some petty... I, I can't it's melancholy like i guess yeah yeah okay. it's all ego. yeah you know, her feelings her career career-based ego she mm -hmm. thought she was going to have this big opportunity right to speak at this summit and you know it was going to be on cardassia prime which is a great name drop because we don't really know much about cardassia after ds9 right right we don't really know what becomes of it later on down the road especially at this point which is you know approximately 12 15 years after the end of ds9 um so that's kind of cool she clearly put work and effort into it she was very excited and looking forward to this maybe she saw it as her big break you know to maybe get a higher status of mission mm -hmm. or a better ship or something sure um, so her ego is clearly bruised and you Which know brings up a question though because we don't see a lot of ego within star trek but also most of the shows that we have are the uh the top ship in the fleet that of course is the, you know the, the cream of the crop they're the best of the best so you know what do they have to prove other than you know ha handling the things they encounter whereas now like we're seeing a lower level ship intimately and we're, we're seeing ego in a way that we've never seen in star trek before that i'm a, that i well, can remember i don't know i i'm not sure i can totally agree with that because i think especially with Cisco and Archer, there were some ego situations. Sure. sure. Um, you know, so I like think the problem is at least in the episode we just watched earlier, we watched the uh, take me out to the hollow suite episode so and uh, <laughs> ego is definitely a huge prominent factor for Cisco in this one. However, he got his lesson within the same episode whereas captain freeman is you know so proud of herself that she went back to normal that she won't even listen to boimler about his wishes and now all of a sudden he is associated with something he completely disapproves of so i don't think that freeman learned a lesson in this one which is kind of unfortunate that's fair. I mean, I don't think she learned a lesson either. That's that's definitely true. I think, you know, especially 90s Trek was a lot bigger on there being a lesson to be learned. Um, I'm not sure that this show is going that same route. I know. Just in general. I can tell, you know, there doesn't always have to be a lesson in Star Trek. And it makes sense to me. There doesn't have to be a lesson, especially in a cartoon uh, <laughs> right. that's directed towards adults. You know, they're not trying to teach us anything. They're trying to make us laugh. But mm -hmm. again, they can do both if they really wanted to. I know, I know. And that's where it keeps getting me because in the end, it's still Trek. And I still want it to be more Trek than I do Rick and Morty. Same. Well, that's, that's where like, so I want to go back to Ransom a bit. Uh, just real quick in chat, uh, Eric was saying that he really liked the Kirk Fu two-hand fight kind of thing, which was really great. Like, that was classic mm -hmm. Star Trek fighting, and I love that whole fight. I thought it was really oh, well done. Ransom and Vendor are my favorite part of the whole episode. It was 
so funny and so well done and it comes out of nowhere you think that this guy's just gonna get his ass kicked but instead he does the ass kicking it's it was great i'm totally on board for that fight it was really well done um but like you're talking about ransom kind of gets this redemption right where we get to see that Mm -hmm. he really cares for for his people he's going to do he's going to sacrifice himself not one of them he's going to do everything he can to win uh, to, to protect his people and all of that. And that's a great thing. But then at the tail end of the episode, when Mariner's got this whole newfound respect for him and you think maybe she's learned a lesson of yeah. ju- judging somebody too quickly, right? That's a very Trek lesson, right? Don't judge a book by its cover is a very Trek concept. But right, <laughs> Don't judge a ransom. <laughs> I, I mean, right as, right as she's learning that lesson, what does he do? He throws her in the fricking brig for her sleeves being rolled up. Yeah. yeah. After she had just shown him a lot of grace and he could not extend the same, that was unfortunate. So then like everything's undone. The whole episode, anything that we, we've, anything she's learned, any, you know, mm-hmm. or, or anything that we've learned about Ransom, it's kind of undone here. Cause it turns out that he's just kind of a petty jerk too. Yeah. Yeah. And so like that, that for me pulls the whole punch of the episode because neither of the top two crew members on the ship really follow through at the end of the right. day. And so nobody learns anything at yeah. all. Every, you know, everybody loses in some capacity. And no character is better at the end. Right. Yeah. Zero developments. Mm-hmm. Some laughs were had, but there was no developments. And, and again, I, I enjoy that from Rick and Morty, but from Star Trek, I, I just want a little bit more. Yeah. yeah. Same here. That's, that's fair. Um, let's see. O- other so, things in the episode. T- well, we haven't talked about Tindy and Rutherford, and oh, yeah. mainly that's because they didn't have a huge storyline this small time. Plot. Yeah. They were very victimized by the uh, Freeman, what do you call no, it? No buffer zone I, challenge. I guess, I yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that was pretty unsettling because just last episode we said that those two were our favorites all three of us agreed on that so the fact that we got very little of them and they were stressed out and kind of at each other's throats is you know it's sad it's a bummer yeah i didn't honestly didn't think about it a whole lot because there were so little for them to do in this one right i call it a c plot but it's really just like a sub piece of the a plot it was yeah you know um and i mean it's fine and they end up fine when it's all said and done but i really they just they had to show that everyone was being overworked and pushed beyond their limits but we know so little about this crew that they can only show us so many characters that we right would be able to know and right. i wish they would just do what tng and voyager and ds9 did where if these characters didn't have much to do they just left them out you know especially with the time constraints you know they even have half the time as one of these previous uh series that i mentioned yet they completely shove everybody in there and you definitely don't have to do that well it it could be contractual and then like keep in mind that like only four characters are considered like the quote series regulars yeah right and that's mariner boimler tendy and rutherford those are like the that that's our main cast sure um and so I feel like they're gonna they're gonna be in every single episode of at least season one, without a doubt. Right. That's yeah, that's fair. And, and Ray, you touched on something too. This this episode again, because we don't know these characters that well yet. We're seeing them push their limits. We don't know them well enough to know what their limits are. And it was it's very much like in season one of TNG uh, where we they did the Naked Now, which was derivative of the original series Naked Time. Well you know, you've got this virus infecting these people that, that, you know, makes them act out of character. And in the original series in the Naked Time, you know these characters well enough to know like, wow, they are being really weird right now. But when you yeah. do season one of TNG and it's a derivative of that, it's the Naked Time, you don't know these characters well enough to know like if they're acting weird or not. And I think that's part of what came up with this episode today. Well, I think that like, it's not even, it's not just that it's season one. I think it's like episode like three or four of the yeah. whole series. Um, I'm pulling sure. it up. Yeah. It, okay. It's episode two. It's episode two of the whole show. So you've had an hour and a half with your characters and they do naked now. So yeah, you don't know these people at all. No. 
Um, so uh, yeah, I, I agree. I think that's a good comparison. Um, there are some cool little notes in here. So like the shuttle is the Yosemite. Um, one thing that's happening here is so the, the USS Saratos is a California class starship. So every shuttle is named after a park in California. So whereas like all of the runabouts on DS9 were named after rivers, these are all named after parks. So that's kind of cute. It is. Yeah. It's a nice little detail. Mm -hmm. And they put a lot of time and effort into those little details, the music, the sound effects, all of it. Like I felt, you know, you spend time on the show and even though it's animated, I feel like I'm in a Star Trek ship and, and they do catch those details. And so that's nice. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. There's, there's lots of, of great little references, lots of technologies that they're using and, and nods to things to help kind of do the universe but build, building it's not universe building it's more like building it into the universe i do think yeah. that one of my favorite parts of this entire show is all the little easter eggs in every single episode like it makes me want to watch them multiple times because i know i missed them the first time mm -hmm. yeah that's fair and you can tell that the people who create the show are genuine Star Trek fans. Yeah, for sure. A hundred percent. Is there anything else that happens in this episode that you want to touch on before we start wrapping things up? Miles O'Brien is the most important person <laughs> in Starfleet history. Yeah. I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> that is very important. We should talk about that constantly. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love that. I thought that was a hilarious way to end the episode. Uh-huh. Uh, especially it felt like more than just a name drop. It did. And like there's this trend in Star Trek. It's kind of become more of a meme where it's O'Brien must suffer because yes. that poor guy goes through so much stuff on DS9 specifically. And his history before we see him on the Enterprise is pretty rough, too. I mean, it was a DS9 writer's room mantra, I think, from one of the special features that, that he <laughs> must suffer. That was, that, that was, they went into every season figuring out how they could make him suffer every year. They held hands. They started each new season with, how do we hurt O'Brien? <laughs> and they nailed it every year yeah. after year. They're like, like, we're going to make Keiko even meaner this year. <laughs> loveless yeah. marriage. He's going to temporarily lose his daughter. His family's going to move off the ship. We're going to make him think his daughter is now an adult that doesn't remember him. Yeah. We're going to make God. him spend years in a prison, but it's all in his mind. Make him think oh, he God, murdered yeah. somebody in cold blood for nothing. At least in the inner light, Picard got to live this beautiful, happy life that was uh -huh. all in his mind. But, but yeah. O'Brien, no, he had to live in prison for however long in his own mind. That's God. just cruel. 15 years, I think. I think it was 15. Yeah. And they never gave him a change of clothes, the poor bastard. <laughs> yeah. Poor O'Brien. So yeah, so seeing him like now in 2020, right? And we haven't seen him in anything since DS9 went off the air. Uh, Star Trek wise, of course, he acts in a million things uh, since yeah. then that isn't Trek. Yeah, he's been a very um, busy man. Yeah, very. And he's he's quite good. But uh, I would like, love a card cameo next oh, season. Oh, please, <gasps> by please. All means. He is the chief, you know? And so like seeing that statue was really cute. I thought mm -hmm. it was really nice. Um, I mean, it it's kind of a silly ending, right? You jump to the distant future. Maybe that's where discovery is. Oh, cool. Oh, uh, that's true. They'll just be in the distance. You'll just see a statue of O'Brien in an episode of discovery. Season I three. love that. I'm okay with it. <laughs> I love that so much. Ugh. Yeah. But the thing is like, I was totally, when she said, let's talk about the most important figure. I was completely expecting Picard. So I was so happy that they switched it up on me. Yeah. I, I love guessing for TV shows, but even more so, excuse me. I love being wrong when I guess on TV shows. Cause same. You know, it doesn't happen often enough. Does it? It doesn't. I'm real. Like I know the tropes and mm -hmm. I can figure out the hints pretty fast. So when I'm wrong, I'm very impressed. And I love that. I love it so much. It's exhilarating to be wrong. <laughs> it means you have good writers. Yes. All right. Anything else before we wrap up? Okay. Mm -hmm. I do want to. Uh, 
sorry go ahead no no no. this is this is after this conversation so i want to make sure oh, okay i was just gonna say uh the stuff for next week the little flash forwards and stuff that looked funny I, i'm excited for that the, the yeah. title of next week's episode is moist vessel oh no oh Never god mind. i'm out i didn't see that <laughs> so, that's funny that's something to keep in mind i am um, out <laughs> not going to do next episode. <laughs> so one thing we have been doing on uh, Twitter and in our Facebook group, remember we have a Facebook group, Red Shirts and Runabouts on Facebook. You can find us in there and join us. You can even watch this live. We're streaming this live in the group right now. So thank you to everyone who joined us live and chatted with us. We appreciate it. Um, but we, we've been doing these polls to, to grade the first couple of episodes. And uh, for episode two, we, we talked about our personal gradings for it last week, but I just wanted to go over our results um, Twitter was a, a little more friendly to episode two envoys, uh, with, uh, 40% giving it an A and a B. So that was split evenly 40 and 40 with 13% with a C and then, uh, 6.7% with a D or lower. So 80% gave it a, a B or higher in our Facebook group. Not quite as nice. Uh, we basically had a tie for B and C. And then uh, we had a uh, A came in at a smaller group. Nobody gave it a D or lower um, of the people who, who voted there. So not quite as, as fair, maybe a B letter grade. We'll do the same thing for this episode. So what would you guys grade in a letter scale, uh, A, B, C, D or lower for this episode, episode three, Temporal Edict? You know, after we talked about it, I kind of liked it a little less. So I got to go with a C again. <laughs> Zach? You know, my feelings stay the same as they were before and for the previous two episodes. So I'm sticking with a solid B rating for all of this. And, you know, it, it, I, I guess I should temper that by saying that my taste is informed by the fact that this... Um, we're living in a golden era all of a sudden where we've got a lot of new Trek shows coming. And so I don't absolutely love this, but I'm giving it a more generous grade than I would otherwise, because this is like going to a movie and seeing like a little Pixar short before the feature. Maybe you love it. Maybe you don't, but you don't really care because you're there to see something else. And so, <laughs> so like I, I'm enjoying Lower Decks for what it is, but it's also kind of like just the cartoon tidying me over until Discovery Season 3. So I'm willing to give it uh, a little bit more grace. So this is this is a solid B for me. Well, in chat, uh, Eric gave it a B as well, but I think he said it was the best episode so far, but I think the Kirk Fu gave him a, the, real, the real push for this one. I'll also give it a B, mainly because it's so early on, I think, compared to you know, other introductions to Star Trek, I think it's doing just fine. Uh, yeah. It's not bad. It's not great. I think it's kind of middle of the road. Um, you know, and so I think a B is, is fair. If we look at like IMDB, each episode has gotten a slightly higher rating, uh, 6.2, 6.4, and now seven. Of course, each one has had fewer ratings um, due to time, uh, you know, probably more than anything, but just kind of keep that in mind. So the show is maybe subtly improving. As time goes on, which which is a good thing, right? That's what we want. If yeah. each episode's better, then that's good. That's progress. So typical trek. Start start off slow and get better. That's right. Now, is this an eight episode or a ten episode season? I can't remember. Ten. We're gonna get ten okay. episodes in season one. Season two was greenlit at the same time. They were greenlit together. So season two's already in development, uh, but we don't have a release date for it. I'm assuming they're shooting for, you know, a year from now, but I don't know that to be a fact. So. Yeah, and, and with an animated show, they're not faced with the same constraints that a real show is during, mm -hmm. you know, in light of the pandemic. So that that's, you know, one thing. Yeah, yeah, basically, uh, pretty much everything can be done remotely, which which is nice. Um, all right, well, then that's going to be it for us this week. We hope you enjoyed our discussion on Temporal Edict. We'll be back next week to talk Moist Vessel, which is episode four. <laughs> of lower decks thanks um, i hate it <laughs> please please join our, our group on facebook uh you know it's a facebook group so it doesn't cost you anything to join we talk trek all the time we just built our ultimate star trek crew we're going to do another one in uh early 2021 so we can include these characters in our in our crew 
uh, voting. So join join us to, to talk about that. We post news, we post memes, and uh, we have spoiler threads for discussions on this stuff. And we stream this live in the group, and you can chat with us during the show. So I, I hope uh, more and more people will talk with us while, while we do this. That would be really fun. Uh, if you want to get a hold of Zach and talk to him about Lower Decks or, you know, Rick and Morty, Zach, how can people reach out to you? Uh, at AvengerZS on uh, Twitter would be the best way. Awesome. And uh, Zach is actually going to be joining me on a sibling show called Gamer Heroes. It's a video game podcast here on the Heroes Podcast Network. Zach joined me a couple of months ago for an episode about the Bioshock collection. And he's joining me again next week for our discussion on The Last of Us Part 2. I assume there will be some discussion on the first game as well, but mainly the focus is Part 2. So you can uh, check, that, check that out next week on the Heroes Podcast If you're into Podcast emotionally Network. devastating video games and conversations <laughs> surrounding them, then, then yes, please show up next week and listen to that. Boy, do we have the show for you. Um, yes, it'll be rough. <laughs> Um, Ray, if people want to talk to you about Star Trek or, or anything else, how can they find you? Uh, I'm at Siren Ray on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can also find Ray with me on our other show, Screen Heroes. Screen Heroes is uh, basically the flagship show. It's our Galaxy Class show here on the Heroes Podcast Network. We've been doing it for almost five years now. And you can uh, check that out every every week. We uh, b mainly review movies. We're, we're going to be doing the coverage of DC Fandom that happens this weekend, August 22nd. So you can join us for a recap of that. I am the Star Trek dude on Twitter. Please come talk Trek or any nerdy sci-fi video gamey type stuff with me out there. Otherwise, we hope to see you in the Red Shirts and Runabouts group on Facebook. Live long and prosper.